This episode is proudly supported by Dollar Shave Club. One of the best things about having a great head for radio, Rubes, is that people don't have to see me when we record the podcast. However, now that I've started using Dollar Shave Club blades, we ought to turn this into a video podcast because I get the cleaner shave day to day. I've started using Dr. Carver's Shave Butter recently, which delivers a more precise shave and helps prevent ingrown hairs and razor bumps. For a limited time, new members get their executive razor with a tube of Dr. Carver's Shave Butter for only $15. After that, the restock box ships regular size products at regular price. All Dollar Shave Club's products are great for both men and women. Go to www.dollarshaveclub.com slash sportsgrad to get your first starter set for just $15 and $10 off your second delivery. Welcome to the SportsGrad Podcast, where we empower you with the answers to your burning questions to accelerate your career into the sports industry. We are your hosts, Melbourne-based sports administrators, Ruben Williams and Ryan Walker. Join us as we share unique and personal examples as well as relatable information and deliver them to you in bite-sized, fluff-free episodes. Want to swipe our signature framework to add awesome experience to your resume? Download our free ebook, Four Steps to Create Outstanding Work Experience in Sport, at sportsgrad.com.au. Now sit back, relax, enjoy the show, and don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss any of our latest episodes released every Tuesday and Thursday. G'day and welcome to the SportsGrad podcast. Today we are joined by a very special guest. His name is Tom Richardson. Tom originally started out at the Deakin University studying arts and health science, where he swapped to a double degree in sport management and exercise science. Beyond that, he started doing sports training at the Surrey Park Football Club before going into a role as president of the Deakin University Sports Studies Club, which is a very lucrative position. From there, he advanced his career into an internship with uh, Gemba and the AFL before taking on casual roles in the events team at the AFL, which allowed him to springboard his career into permanent positions within the AFL. Tom, welcome to the podcast. Hey, boys. Thanks for having me. How are you? We are very well. It's been a big week. We're very happy. (laughs) (laughs) We're very happy. um, We are recording in the week that uh, we've been announced as uh, the number one careers podcast, which is a bit overwhelming, to be honest. But um, it's, uh, it's been good. How have you been? Unreal. Yeah, good boys. Uh, obviously, uncertain times at the moment as we continually hear, but uh, doing our best. <laughs> All right, Tom, firstly, you've managed to transition extremely well from university into the AFL, which is a dream organization for a lot of people who are studying uh, sport-related degrees. I recall a little while ago seeing something on Instagram that resembled you in a suit at what looks like the uh, the Brownlow Medal. How how do I get a gig doing that? And what were you doing that night? <laughs> well, uh, I knew I had to get that photo up uh, as soon as I could to to make the most of prime time that <laughs> night and get all the likes I could. <laughs> uh, look, most of the time at the AFL, they're always super encouraging to kind of um, get people to help out at events like that. Um, they can kind of never have too much help. So they're really good like that and always have been. Um, I must say, though, that my role in the night wasn't as glamorous as the uh, Insta post made it out to be. Most of the time I was helping out, um, greeting guests, ensuring no stragglers were getting through the gates um, and kind of just checking tickets. <laughs> So not as exciting as it sounded, but it was still an absolute pleasure to be involved. 
and yeah, it was it was it was a good time. <laughs> so there wasn't too much time spent on the red carpet for you. I wouldn't have thought. Uh, there at the end there was. Uh, we definitely made sure to get a couple of flicks, uh, making it look like we were super important. <laughs> um, also made sure <laughs> all the volunteers played a game to kind of uh, try and get the most famous guests they could through their gate, uh, just to make the night <laughs> more fun. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, Which, uh, who was the most famous guest that you got? Um, I was on the gate that no current players were going through, but I managed to get. Um, <laughs> I think I, I think I got John Worsfold and Tom Harley from memory. Oh, yeah. So I, I, I wasn't unhappy. Two huge names. <laughs> Two huge names. John Worsfold. Uh, <laughs> no Geelong names though, so I was a bit disappointed. I mean, Tom Harley kind of mm. is, but not anymore. <laughs> well, Ryan's a massive West Coast Eagles fan, so he'd be very happy that you are. Got yeah. to greet and treat John Walsh. John Walsh, a great, uh, great member of the Eagles um, for many <laughs> years. Um, so that's mm. good. Now, Tom, tell us a little bit about what it's like to work uh, within the AFL. Yeah, look, um, great environment to work in. Um, everyone who is there is just so passionate about what they do and it's it's been an unreal feeling kind of being able to contribute to something um, that has such a great effect on people. Um Look, my first few weeks there, I was genuinely just like a kid in a candy store. Um, I think on my third day, we had uh, Friday just knockoff drinks and got to sit next to Matt Stokes, who I think at the time might have been an inclusion manager or something along those lines, but um, just got to chew the fat with him. And that was, you know, for me as a lifelong Geelong supporter, um, pretty incredible. And then, yeah, it's just great being able to be involved in things like Sir Doug Nichols' round, um, Matty Riot's vision, um, and sort of just working for an organisation that sticks up for things like that um, is really incredible. Um, on the flip side, though, um, at times you can forget sort of just how much in the public eye footy is. Um, so it definitely took me a while to get used to the kind of the, the scope that um, the public have on it, <laughs> if that makes sense. So, uh, for example, when we, we looked after the AFL Kitchen and Bar, um, and we had to choose some names for meals and things like that on it. And um, the day after it got announced, we got, ended up getting um, roasted from all angles by Triple M. <laughs> um, so it's just something you definitely have to get used to. Uh, but, yeah, honestly, couldn't have been luckier to start out at an organisation like the AFL. So, Tom, you started at the AFL while you were still in university. How did you initially get your foot in the door? Yeah, um, look, I was really lucky initially to get an internship. Um, it was the first time the AFL and Deakin had gone into a partnership for sports management students to gain an internship, uh, which was pioneered by our head of consumer, Dave Elliott. Um, he recognised that there hadn't been a kind of genuine pathway for uni students to get into the AFL. So him starting that was super important for me and great timing, obviously. Yeah, initially, my first interview, I kind of thought that I'd stuffed it up uh, and that I'd gone in too footy-centric. But, um, yeah, after that, I was lucky enough to get the role. Uh, turned out that my other internship interview wasn't successful that I thought I was going to get. So, I mean, everything works out for a reason in the end. But, um, yeah, that was kind of how I started out there and was lucky enough to go from there and generate a network and build myself up to a permanent role in the end. Awesome. At, at the time, did you know much about what consumer business meant or what it does? Uh, not at all, mate. 
Um, outside of outside of what we'd done at uni, um, I was very just very unsure about what an actual working lifestyle was like or what consumer business entailed, um, how that actually reached the consumer and what type of work was behind it. So, um, yeah, heading in was was definitely intimidating. But like I said, I just knew if I was persistent and had a good attitude that um, it would work out in the end and, and it did. <laughs> For those who are who are unsure, such as myself, about what consumer business in sport actually entails. Do you mind giving just a quick summary of um, what you got up to in that department? Yeah, absolutely. So consumer business essentially entails um, everything in an organisation that goes out to the consumer. So um, the few departments that I kind of worked in were the events team, um, the membership team, the licensing team, uh, and the ticketing team. So all things that, you know, consumers are heavily involved in, whether it be buying tickets, products, um, et cetera. So, yeah, I kind of was based in the events team, um, which was I was very lucky to get um, and then spent days in each of the other departments after that. And then, yeah, went from there. (laughs) How did that initial interview go uh, at the AFL? Yeah, um, that was probably one of my first real proper interviews for for a – kind of full-time job um i just remember starting off very nervy uh grew into it as i went along but uh like i said before my main concern was just that i was too footy centric throughout and i thought that would kind of be a detriment to me um it's definitely intimidating an intimidating feeling as well when you first walk into afl house just as a uni student who's um really not achieved a whole lot thus far in their career um so it was it was very easy to get worked up and panic a little bit, but um, yeah, that was <laughs> it was definitely an interesting experience. And uh, yeah, <laughs> when you say you were too footy centric, do you remember what some of the questions were that they asked you um, and how you responded to them? Uh, oh, not really. <laughs> if I'm honest, <laughs> I just I just remember. Um, probably trying to really drive home that I was passionate about footy and trying to make them think that that's why they should pick me um, rather than basing my answers on any kind of work experience that I'd already done or transferable skills that I could kind of point them towards. And I've, I've learned since from people at the AFL that one of the things they, or not one of the things they dislike, but um, something that sometimes gets people in a bit of a rut when they're interviewing is that they just focus on how much they love footy Um, because it's important, but (laughs) you do need other skills as well. If you you look back and you could tweak that interview uh, to make it perfect, what would you fix up that other students can adopt in their interviews? Um, Yeah, look, it's it's cliche, but um, I think it's just important to be yourself and kind of calm down and take a breath. like while while the interviewer is judging you in a sense, um, at the end of the day, they want you to succeed. Like they want you to be the right person for the role. Um, so I think it's just important you don't get too caught up in that interview. And um, another would probably be just to kind of like I covered off before, ensure that you've got kind of a range, a broad, a broad range uh, of examples that um, you can kind of point towards. Um, Purely just for the reasons I spoke about before, you don't want to be kind of too 
footy centric or you know cricket centric depending on wherever you're interviewing um but yeah i think just making sure that um you get across that you've got a good attitude uh willingness to learn um it's really important to people um it sounds like being able to balance passion with genuine ability is is very important to someone like the afl and while it's clear that you uh, I love footy. What were some of the experiences that you were able to build your skill set upon from your first year to your last year as you transitioned into full-time work at the AFL? Yeah, so um, obviously the skills are an, are an important part of it and um, passion alone can only get you so far. But um, once I kind of realised I wasn't guaranteed an NBA contract, uh, I looked at other ways to kind of build my skill set um, and I did that through kind of a number of things through Deacon. Um, the first of those being, um, or first off, becoming a committee member at the Deakin University Sports Studies Club, uh, now Sports Society. Great group. <laughs> Fantastic well, man, the, bunch of presents. My other host, <laughs> is a huge fan of the club, um, has done some good work. Tom, Tom was my uh, predecessor at, at the club. <laughs> Fantastic set of presidents uh, for a couple of years there and, and still as well. Yeah. I think you were the person who let me onto the committee, in fact. Yeah, I, I recruited uh, the sports grad hero here. <laughs> what, a, um, what a poor decision that was. <laughs> unleashed havoc on the sports industry after that. No, that my, time at dusk, <laughs> my time at dusk was super important to me. Um, I think at the time, I mean, uni students think of um, people on – committees and things like that as being a bit of a drag and a lot of extra work because they kind of just want to go out and party and stuff like that and it's definitely understandable but it's so important just to get a bit of experience doing things like that Um, because at dusk I got to do things like deal with finances, um, organise events, organise merchandise for people, um, recruit new members as as we did with Ruben and other other people. so that was super important. Uh, my other internship at Gamba as well was great for that. Um, I just got to learn a whole new kind of set of skills that I probably wouldn't have otherwise. Um, so it still did have a lot to do with sport, but a kind of different area. And then even things just like retail background that helps you deal with kind of customers and, you know, how to work in a fast-paced environment. Um, they're all kind of ways that I've looked to build my skill set. Um and essentially, everything I've done um, through uni up until this point, I've kind of tried to get something out of it and make sure I learn something, which generally speaking, I think is a pretty common trait for people in the sports industry. Uh, what, what would you say to uh, a student who's out there who's thinking about volunteering their time on a student group and is unsure whether it's going to be worthwhile or not? Um, I think it's all about you, you, you get what you put in you get out of it what you put in rather. Um, if you want to learn how to do something and you think that group will be a way, for you, like a vehicle for you to, to champion that, then absolutely go for it because similar to me, I, I was quite interested in events um, but had absolutely no idea how to run one, um, had no idea what it entailed. And then when I got to dusk, I was running, you know, um, networking dinners and guest seminars and things like that and dealing directly with venues, suppliers and whatnot. Um, so you get you get that kind of experience through doing it um, and it's not necessarily work, but you can point to that in an interview and it 
it shows that you, you're dedicated and you want to learn. So, you know, I, I'm a massive advocate for, for jumping on one of those committees. Yeah, that's awesome. I know one of the other things that I found um, when I followed in your footsteps, Tom, was that when I was a student going it alone um, and trying to reach out to people, it you know it was just me. Like I was just Ruben trying to reach out to someone else. But when I was a part of the Deakin University Sports Society, as it soon became, um, <laughs> you know, I had Deakin University attached to my name, and I hadn't I hadn't done anything to kind of work up to that all I did was put my hand up to be on the committee and all of a sudden you know you get to use the title deacon when you when you talk to people which adds a bit of credibility when you're trying to um, reach out to to new people who are already working in the industry absolutely yeah it's it's such a handy tool and like you said um, you don't really have to do anything other than put your hand up it's invaluable really um, because so many people just can't do that or can't say they have done that um, yeah absolutely massive advocate for it so tom you along with uh many others today sort of go down the route of a a double degree and do obviously sports management and exercise science how did you pick which direction you were going to take uh with your career um good question mate um to be honest um my experiences um during uni as a sports trainer and in some other roles uh, kind of just taught me that it might not 100% be for me and that I'd probably start out down the management track. Um, In saying that, I still haven't ruled out doing something sports science related. Um, This is just where I am at the moment and I'm enjoying it, but who knows what will happen. It's hard to say. I think all you can really do is keep kind of volunteering and looking to get as much experience as you can um that will help inform that decision down the track it's it's a hard one and you won't really know unless you kind of put your hand up and you know try and do things um and that's kind of all I can really say about that I I tried to do as much as I could and that really informed me as to you know where I'd go do you think as well like it's almost like a lot of people do double degrees and I guess it's you got to you got to get yourself out there to try and find an opportunity so Wherever you want it, wherever you try and get that opportunity is, you know, whatever comes up, you're going to go down that path. Mm. So it could be a case that, you know, there was another, there was a, an opportunity that came up in sports management that came before exercise science. Mm. And you're obviously going to take that immediately. So mm. um, it's about where you, where you reach out to and who you talk to. Just on that, they say that the first job that you take in your career is a, you know, huge factor in where you end up later down the track. So, if you apply that to your university degree, and particularly if you've got a couple of degrees or streams where you're looking to take your career, those first couple of internships or volunteer position can, positions can really uh, shape where you end up at, at the end of your degree and, and beyond that. So, Tom, four years of uni is a long time to dedicate to any pursuit, particularly in uni when you might not always feel like you know where you're meant to be headed. What was it that allowed you to continue to persist and, and grab new opportunities? Uh, yeah, look, I feel like like most new students, I didn't 100% know where I was heading. Um, I actually took a break halfway through my degree as well to travel uh, just to kind of gather my thoughts mostly. Um, I think I always kind of just made sure that I put in the work and thought that in doing so, things would work out. Um once again, it's cliche, but hard work does pay off. And if you don't put that work in in the first place, then you'll you kind of never even have the opportunity 
to go for that dream job. So I think I just tried to maintain that mindset as best as I could throughout the degree so so that I'd be able to control the narrative to the best of my ability and that once that opportunity for the dream role came up, that I'd just be able to have a good crack at being successful and getting it. Tra- travel is a huge part of uh, many people's degrees halfway through. Um, I don't know if we've discussed whether we should talk mm. about it, but you you seem to uh, gather your thoughts pretty well after your little um, sabbatical. How did how did travel or getting away or taking time to step out of uni help you um, finish it off? Yeah, I mean, I think for such a long time we're just at school, at uni, and it's it's very nonstop, even though the uni lifestyle is very kind to us. Um, sometimes you just need a little bit of a break and to get away from everything to to kind of understand what you really want from life in a way. Um, and even just being able to go overseas and experience sporting events like the Premier League, um, like the NBA, kind of really drives home that that's what you want to be doing. Um, so once I was back, it kind of just solidified to me that, you know, I'm doing the right thing. I'm where I'm meant to be. And if I keep going, then, you know, I'm, I'm in the right spot <laughs> or I'll end up in the right spot at least. Rubes, you were a huge traveler whilst at uni, weren't you? Yes. Um, yeah, lots did, of time overseas. Yeah, no, I did a couple of trips. Um, <laughs> many an Insta, <laughs> many, many Insta post. Yeah, yep. No, that's the only time I come out of my shell on Instagram. Yeah, no, I, like I totally agree with that because a lot of my travel was based around sport as well, going to the Tour de France, the uh, the Ashes in England, um, the running of the Bulls in, in Spain. I don't know if that counts, but um, um, a lot of... <laughs> I think that counts as a sport. <laughs> I don't know if I want to be associated to that, <laughs> at least not publicly. <laughs> we'll see if we edit this out. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> But, you know, like I totally agree with you. Like cause once you get involved and you experience the atmosphere in another country and take it all in, you're exactly right in that you you realise this is what you want to be a part of and this is what's worth working hard to, to get involved with. So, so um, absolutely worthwhile travelling and, and particularly experiencing sporting events during your degree. I think one of the other things that I probably had a misconception about at the start of my degree was that you have to get through it quickly or like, you know, you're in a rush to get to the next point and finish your degree and start working as quickly as possible. We're quite fortunate in that, you know, being able to to study and, and live at home and, and travel is is a thing that's possible, um, which isn't the case for everybody. But um, being able to make the most of that time to, you know, to take the time, I guess, to really use it productively and figure out exactly what you want to do before you then launch ahead and, and take that next step. Yeah, absolutely. And like, I think it's important, like while, while we do say, you know, take all these opportunities and do as much as you can, um, it's equally as important just to look after yourself um, because if you've been going flat stick for such a long time, sometimes you just need a break and that's, that's what it takes to kind of launch you into that next step. Absolutely. And I think like, you know, you don't necessarily have to go – you know, flat stick with all your with all your study and with all your internships um, all at once for three years straight. I'm I'm not sure what it was like if you, from your experience, but from my experience, a lot of a lot of that came quite late. It wasn't really until the last year or year and a half that everything started to ramp up. And so, if you look at it, you know, really granularly and and practically, it's probably only maximum you know eighteen months worth of hard work that can really 
you know give you something to to fall back on and you know to bring into an into an interview to get that um dream job or full-time job once you once you finish yeah for sure i was the exact same um both my internships were in my final year and then um pretty much launched straight launched straight into work after that um so yeah 100% same experience as you so tom Anyone who's listening to the podcast would know that we're we're huge fans of volunteering and, you know, realise how important it is. What have you learnt from volunteering and how can students get the most out of it? Um, I mean, students hear it nonstop throughout uni and I remember groaning whenever I heard it, but you just need to say yes to as much as you can. Um, I think volunteering is one of your best tools to network and gain experience. Um, it doesn't matter how small the job is. Um, people remember when you've helped them out, um, and it really just leaves you in a good, it leaves you in good stead down the track. The one example for me was uh, one of the first kind of volunteer things I did at the AFL was helping out with uh, printing name cards and double checking guest lists for the AFL Hall of Fame. Um, and I mean, it, it's a pretty mundane job. I'm not going to lie. Um, but a year down the track, or actually later that season, um, I was working at the grand final and getting to host one of the corporate marquees um, in the September club. And then the next year at Hall of Fame was managing accreditation. So um, it's just one of those things where you really do get out what you put into it. Um, I can't speak highly enough of it as well. You mentioned a few little good events you've been a part of and been able to get involved in there what has been your favorite moment working in the afl Ooh, uh, <laughs> it's a tough one i'm gonna cheat a little bit and maybe give a few <laughs> uh but That's i'd say totally <laughs> one of the best probably moments itself for me was when i kind of properly realized that I wanted to work in sport long-term um, and that was on, I think, my second day of my internship. Um, it was at the Anzac Day game. Uh, we were in the race with the veterans who were about to go out in their ute to do their lap of honour and um, I looked up at one of the veterans and he was like on the verge of tears, uh, just so excited that he was about to go into the MCG and that kind of uh, just told me how important sport is to people and how it can create create such you know, intense emotions and things like that, um, particularly for something that I'd kind of taken for granted, you know, going on to the G for Auskick and things like that throughout my life. Um, I thought that was really special. Um, the grand final in 2018 was another fantastic one to be a part of. Um, the atmosphere was insane. The Dom Sheet goal, <laughs> hard to beat. If we want go on to a tangent. Know, then extend this podcast for about another <laughs> couple of hours. We, we can certainly do that. Um, mate, we, we'll take Dom Sheet offline. I think you've got a tattoo of the Dom Sheet silhouette on your ankle. Now, now, right? Rude, no, no. <laughs> but no, that's incredible, mate. It would have been a great sort of well, an insane moment to, to win. Yeah, no, nah, ground level. That was absolutely incredible. Um, every part of that day is just pretty unforgettable Unforgettable for me, uh, getting to meet, you know, a whole bunch of people. Uh, sitting next to the Black Eyed Peas for lunch was pretty interesting. Uh, they weren't too did interested. Did you have a chat with I am? I didn't, but um, he, was, he was lining up for photos and couldn't have had a less excited look on his face <laughs> to, at all the people <laughs> that were walking up to him. Um, so that was really Shout special. Out to- 
the Black Eyed Peas. You know, <laughs> they are they're long time listeners, so we will shout out to them. Maybe, maybe we can fade out with a Black Eyed Peas song. <laughs> I, think, I think that's that's appropriate. For this one. I wouldn't mind that at all. Um, and then probably the last one that's a bit more of a recent one um, is seeing my first product in licensing actually come to life. Um, and seeing it be advertised on things like the Sunday footy show and on, you know, commercials on TV. Um, and that's the first client that I got to manage. So that was really special. Um, just being able to see something properly in the public eye that I've kind of been a main driver in creating. Um, what was, what was, was that moment. product? Uh, going to give him a shout out now. <laughs> uh, it's actually Iron Doors. Um, so, uh, the, the company is Unique Wrought Iron and they make these massive kind of cast iron doors with footy footy team logos on them. So, yeah, they've, they've had a good take-up so far and it's exciting to see. You can you can make an AFL product out of anything. <laughs> They'll get a better take-up now that they're on the SportsGrade podcast. Oh, absolutely. Their number one the, career the number one. in Australia. <laughs> iron doors, if you're listening, we would like to get in touch. <laughs> I'll make sure, I'll I'll get the I'll get your details over to him. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you for joining us on the podcast, Tom. Um, we've had a great great time chatting with you. It's been a lot of fun, and there's been plenty of takeaways uh, from your career, just the persistence you've shown over a long period of time to to continually volunteer, take on opportunities, uh, ask questions at the right time, and then being able to pull it all together and and deliver it in, in interviews to land yourself in in your dream job working in a sport that you that you love so dearly. So thank you very much again for being a part of the podcast. It's It's been a pleasure. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you guys uh, having me on. Uh, best of luck for, for the rest of the episodes. <laughs> Smashing it. <laughs>